Hey everybody, welcome back to Church Public. I am glad that you joined me today. We are looking at worship in the park and what is the future of the church in America. So get ready and here we go. Welcome back to Church Public. Family, friends, everybody out there, I hope you're doing well. I hope you are thriving, not just surviving. And as we enter into this new week, this new time, I hope that God is showing you His goodness throughout all kinds of weird and different circumstances. A um, bunch of things going on today around the world. We're going to focus in on a couple of them and then talk about what is going on in the church and maybe where church is going. Um, this last week, Seattle, the city, uh, has closed a park to a Christian worship event, uh, but they continue to allow citywide protests. In fact, there have been uh, hundreds of days of protests at this point. Sean Foyt has been going around the country holding Let Us Worship events for hundreds, sometimes thousands of worshipers. They've been all over California. They've been back east. They've been... Um, all over the place, and now uh, they are back to Seattle. In fact, they, I believe, were in Seattle one time previous, but they were back to Seattle for Labor Day, um, and they had planned to do a worship event there in the park, just singing, worshiping, and glorifying God um, throughout that time. Um, and this has just been a weird time in leading up to that. Part of what he is doing, I believe, is to create these events in light of all of these church closures and other closures and a little bit of uh, pushback into this place where, hey, the church is still going to be the church. The, stir- the church should worship and uh, should be present in the community. They've been doing singing, uh, baptisms, um, just sharing a joyful uh, expression and a joyful noise. And uh, on Labor Day, September 7th, the group had planned a worship event in the Gas Works Park in Seattle. However, the Seattle Parks ahead of time uh, and the, uh, the rec department decided to close the parks due to, quote, crowding that could impact the public health of residents, end quote. But most of the other Seattle parks remained open for that Labor Day. When the team arrived, they were unable to enter the park. They decided instead to worship just on the streets. There were hundreds that gathered, worshipped, and prayed together. Protests in Seattle, on the other hand, which have often been violent and have been uh, going on since the tragic death of George Floyd in May, Kiro 7 News reported that on Labor Day, 22 people were arrested uh, outside the Seattle Police Officers Guild uh, because, quote, they refused to disperse after throwing rocks, bottles, and homemade explosives at police. So these protests, not this worship event, these protests uh, in another part of Seattle have been ongoing for weeks and weeks and weeks at this point uh, with no end in sight, and yet they are continued to apparently be allowed to go, whereas the one day that a worship uh, a worship team wanted to show up and, and do some outdoor worship experience, uh, some church outdoors, uh, of course, the park was shut down. The Denival standard here is just undeniable. 
Um, it is, it's, it's hard to comprehend other than a specific and intentional, uh, whatever you want to call it, retribution, punishment, uh, at least a focus on certain activities as opposed to allowing other activities to take place. And the closure of the park, of course, was in concern of the virus spread, uh, but again, there was not closure of other parks. There were not closure of other protests that weekend. As we mentioned, there were 22 people arrested and uh, many, many more that were not arrested that were protesting just across town the same day, at same time, different place. Uh, so either the, the virus is super deadly for everyone and everything should be shut down for everyone forever, or the virus is deadly for a specific set of people, especially the elderly and those with pre-existing conditions, as we read in most of the studies, to uh, conversely single out a specific group for actually peaceful worship. Uh, and, and there were no reports of this worship team breaking out into throwing things or setting things on fire. They just worshiped God and sung, and it was a joyful experience. Um, Instead, there was another group, again, throwing rocks, homemade explosives. This is actually, literally, a dangerous double standard uh, where people are getting injured um, and, and hurt, and it undermines, really, the freedom of every American, this right to exercise faith. We've talked about at length on other podcasts, the right to peacefully assemble. They're both contained in the very First Amendment of the Constitution. But as we discussed last time, even the Constitution has a war being waged against it by several institutions that claim uh, it is not only old and outdated, but intentionally and specifically aimed to discredit certain members of American society, rather than the words that it says, combined with the words of the Declaration that uh, all men uh, and women are created equal uh, as referenced under God and should be allowed this life and liberty and pursuit of happiness. Again, those directly come from ideas from the Bible that, uh, that we want to give people an opportunity to rise to whatever station they want to rise to through hard work, through responsibility. Um, but instead, we are allowing for these really... Uh, degraded uh, behaviors that are are actually causing destruction and even death in many cases. And this is a, a dangerous signal to send that certain activities are allowed and certain are not. So the rise of this double standard just continues to be more and more obvious. And we have to figure out what are we going to do with this? How, how are we going to handle this? Um, it seems especially pointed at religious faith in some of these areas of the country, Oregon, California, New York, etc. Churches are still closed in many of these areas and unallowed to open freely. Synagogues have been targeted. Even some parks and areas in New York a few months ago uh, where there were Jewish congregations that hung out. They were closed and locked while other areas were open and, again, allowed for some of these uh, protests. And you may have even forgotten that in California, right before the second total shutdown, the governor banned singing in church. Uh, where I live, we had one week where you could attend services that were open. However, the clarification was no singing because 
singing was inherently dangerous. Um, no singing. This is just a bridge too far. We, h- how are we supposed to worship in the freedom when literally for thousands of years, both in Judeo and Christian uh, worship experiences, singing is one of the greatest hallmarks. The Psalms, by and large, are songs. They were sung and have been sung for thousands of years. There are Christian hymns in the New Testament. There are other hymns throughout books of the Old Testament uh, that are recorded in there. And singing has been, again, a staple, a hallmark, a, a, a sacrament of of worship, not only in Christianity and other religions as well, but especially for Christianity, especially in the past couple of centuries, uh, especially here in America, and to say uh, you, you can sit there silently but not praise the Lord uh, verbally is is a hard pill to swallow. At any rate, again, that I guess was only for one week. Um, I don't even know. At, at this point, the, the rules seem so arbitrary um, and unclear even at that, that, uh, we're just, we're just, we continue to wait to see what happens. But, uh, it's, it's just a very interesting and weird environment to live in. And we're trying to navigate that the best that we can throughout the history of Christianity. Last couple of thousand years, there definitely have been times of, of free worship, and where the state allowed Christianity to practice. There definitely have been times, and even now, uh, and not just America, you, you think of other places like uh, like China and, and uh, a few years ago in Russia, some other locations around where you cannot freely express worship. Hong Kong is a great example right now where they had the free expression of worship up until a few months ago even, and now there is terrible persecution in Hong Kong over Christianity and the freedom of worship. But the reality is the church, uh, both in China over the last several decades and now uh, in in some other areas, is growing dramatically even while being persecuted. So I'm not worried. I'm not nervous about what is happening here in, in America. It's unfortunate. I hope that uh, we can continue to keep the freedoms that we have had for so long. I hope that people can appreciate the freedoms that they have and use the freedom that they have to to lean in and to worship and to um, uh, just express their religion in the way that they want to, just like the First Amendment reads. But even if that is taken away, even if we move into a different time and a different place, um, I'm not worried about it. The church has survived. Uh, the body of Christ has survived for a couple of thousand years now. And it, uh, Jesus even says, like, there is nothing that can come against it to stop it. We may have to express ourselves in a different way. And that's kind of my second topic for today that is not necessarily based in the news, but just in trends. And what are the trends going to be? And there, um, there's a lot of talk amongst Christian leaders and Christian leadership, um, I don't know if you call them experts, but just people who are studying these things and studying church and trying to figure out what the next level for churches is going to be. And and I freely admit that I don't have an answer. I just know that things are changing. I know that 
we are in a place, as I've just examined one example, that there are we're moving into a different realm with different rules, different freedoms than we have had really ever uh, in American history, at least, that uh, we may not be able to worship in the way that we wanted to anymore. And we'll have to see. We'll have to see how that bears out as we go through the rest of this year, as we go through some of the political environment, as we go through some of the virological environment, like what is going to happen with this virus? What is going to happen with the elections? What is going to happen as we move into this next season, even looking forward into 2021? What is it going to look like for the church? And I don't know. I just know that there are changes that have happened and there are changes that are continuing to happen. And how are we going to change with it? Will the church look different now? Yes, it will. I'm continuing to pray for revival through this time. There is a loss of hope in our communities that that you it, it is just it's sad to watch um, and it's sad to watch. We've talked about this in, in other uh, podcasts, but people are looking to many different organizations to have their their meaning in their life fulfilled. And they're looking to political leaders to solve all the problems and to fix the things that are wrong, to fix the injustice that is wrong with the world. They're looking to organizations that uh, may inherently or overtly or not be political. And they're asking for uh, repentance from some of these organizations. And they're asking for absolution or forgiveness from some of these organizations. And and the reality is that's never going to happen. You're never going to be able to ask as an individual, you're not going to be able to ask an organization for forgiveness and receive the forgiveness that you need. It just can't happen. It just can't work that way. And so instead, what I'm praying for is a revival that people would realize early before this all gets really, really bad, which I know I've, I've had some conversations in the past couple of weeks that people say, well, it can't get worse. And I sure hope that's true. But regardless, the church is going to look different now. There are going to be people who are in fear and in fear of the virus or whatever else that won't come back to church, that used to go to church and some regularity. They're going to be scarred by watching all of these news reports and all of the fear that the news has portrayed that uh, churches are, or anywhere, it, it can be a dangerous situation, and they're just not going to come back to church. There are going to be people who were culturally churchgoers, so people who went to church because it's what they did, or what they were expected to do, or what their parents expected them to do, or just what they've always done, and they went to church and because that's, that's what you do. And after this six months of not going to church, these attenders of church probably won't come back for the most part because why would they maybe they found something else either they're watching it online or maybe not and they're not gonna come back to a place that didn't give them what they were looking for in the first place and that's sad but it's just a reality and then there are going to be those of course that have been really anxious to get back to church and 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 they'll come back and they'll they'll make up a portion of of the attenders that were available uh, and, and that frequently attended before but I, I think there will be a decline in church attendance in America because of all of these things so what do we do with that 
and that's physical church and what is physical church going to look like. But then there is a whole other group that we were talking about that I, I think there's a group of people who don't know what they don't know. They don't really understand God. They've probably never really read the Bible, never really prayed. And this has been a time of, of really hopelessness. And, and you, you started off hoping that the experts were going to save us and then hoping that the politicians were going to save us and hoping that these other organizations uh, that promise uh, unity and promise peace are going to save us. And, and after watching all of these things happen, what I'm praying is that people will realize that none of those things can really save you. The only thing that can save you is Jesus. And so my hope, my prayer as I'm praying through this for revival is that we, the church, can begin to reach out to those that are hurting, to those that are hopeless, to those that need to find something more than this world, these politicians, these experts, these organizers are presenting because there is more. Every person has a search for meaning. It's absolutely true and unavoidable. The way they get there the answers that you get in your search for meaning can vary widely, but in reality, um, you everyone is searching for meaning, and, and so at some level, this search for meaning has to lead you somewhere, and, and as we've seen, unfortunately, it's leading a lot of people to depression and despair, which is so tragic and so sad, but that's where we can step in as the church and say, but we have a hope. We have something more than this world is offering. So I, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that this church, that uh, that not the one hour on Sunday church, but the body of Christ that uh, that cannot be stopped regardless of what the government says and regardless of whether we meet in a building, this body of Christ can rise up into this opportunity and really present the gospel in a way that is compelling, not a way that is um, hurtful or judgmental. And we got into that a little bit last time where if you're all truth, it's just judgmental and that's all people hear. But if you're all grace, then you can do whatever you want and make up your own religion and that's not right either. Just like Jesus, we have to strive to be 100% grace and 100% truth. And I know that's impossible, but at the same time, we can aim at that. We can try to be grace-filled in all of our life, and we can try to be truthful in all of our life. Um, the truth of Jesus and the grace and mercy that God gives us through, uh, through our repentance and through the resurrection uh, life that, that he gives us. So, that's my prayer for you. I hope that you are doing well. I always say that I hope you are thriving and not just surviving. This is a difficult time, no doubt, but I don't want to miss the opportunities that we have as the body of Christ to bring this hope into the world and to help show this light in the actual darkness. Um, and we allow God and his spirit to move among his people again I think we will have lost some people that were in the church, but perhaps, perhaps we can gain some people in the church that weren't there in the first place and that have been searching this whole time. Um, and I just pray that for you, and I pray that you can be a light to those that God has placed in your life, and that uh, as we grow, that the body of Christ will help us uh, as we guide, as we grow together, as, as we become united in focus and vision and sharing, as Jesus said, the gospel uh, to 
Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and beyond. In other words, to your community, to your city, to the state, to the whole uh, country, to the whole world. God wants to use you in his endeavor. The church is the plan A for the salvation of this world, to spread this gospel and to spread this good news. And as any follower of Christ should know, you were made for this. So think about it. Who's in your life today that you can um, connect with, encourage, check in on, and maybe share some of that love, that grace, that truth, and that light to this world? As always... Thanks for listening. God bless and keep the faith. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Please do subscribe, like, check us out on social media at Church Public. And we hope to talk to you soon. Send in any questions that you want, and we'll try to address those. As always, God bless. Keep the faith.